Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Philly wins against the Pacers, 133 to 120. Joel Embiid, monster performance for him, 41 points, 20 rebounds. We'll jump into all that and some of the details from the game specifically. Also, some big picture stuff. Before we do, don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. We're going to have you covered all the way throughout the playoffs. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. We have a ton of great writers there. One of them joining me. As he does often on the post game, Mr. Jackson, Frank Jackson, a 13 point win against a Pacers team that, again, sucks. So, I mean, not overly impressive, although there were some impressive stretches. I mentioned Joel's game. What is something that you liked from from Philly's performance in this game? Yeah, I mean, I think I think, you know, what was impressive was just another game of Tyrese Maxey showing his continued, you know, shot versatility, scoring versatility. You know, he hit. Uh, had a couple of threes. He hit that. He had a nice little floater late in the game where he got the defender on his back. Um, he saw some creative finishes. Um, that was kind of you know one of the big things that stood out to me. And then also Danny Green continues to to look like the Danny Green of last year. Um, I know they played a bad team and there wasn't really a ton of matchups for him to defend in space, but got up 10 threes, hit four of them. You know, back to back. I think that's now he hadn't scored more than 14 in a game before this year before Toronto, and now he scored 15 and 18. So. Um, if they can, get, I don't expect Danny to be the guy he was last year, but if they can get to kind of what what if they can get what what he was maybe early in this year before a couple more injuries hit him, that's huge. Um, it really opens their spacing up, obviously more than Matisse Thibel. So those are kind of the big things to me. Danny looks like he's kind of rounding the form a little bit, being pesky and off the ball offensively and defensively, and then Tyrese just continues to be a really impressive and versatile scorer. Jackson, looking at the, I, I checked out the five-man lineup stats, and so and so looking at this, like with Thibel in the starting lineup, that's alongside Harden, Embiid, Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey. The Sixers have a plus twenty point four net rating. That's in three hundred twenty-three minutes played with those guys. Now the starting lineup they had today with Danny Green, obviously in there instead of instead of Matisse, only played fifty-nine minutes. They have just a one point six net rating, but. A lot of people online and, and myself included look at that and think the offense looks smoother because you're not essentially playing four on five and Thibel might be a little bit better suited on the offensive end. Defensively, he's great, but on the offensive end, playing against the other team's kind of second unit or, or, or bench players, when you look at having Danny in the lineup versus Matisse minus the obvious, which is which is the shooting, is there anything else that you look at that think maybe the Sixers are better off going with Green in the, in the, in the uh, first five? Yeah, I, mean, I just I just think it comes down to that spacing and the fact that you know I don't feel Matisse's defense has been as consistent as last year. I felt like last year you you were able to just throw him on the star scorer and he was he was really good for the most part. I think maybe some of it is the fact that he got to kind of be that change of pace guy with Ben Simmons in the fold. So now he is the lead perimeter stopper, and that's proven to be a, a tougher transition. But teams just really muck things up for Joel or in the pick and roll or on drives with Matisse and 
he just doesn't have kind of the, the offensive utility to compensate for that. And I don't think the defense has been good enough. Um, obviously Danny has his own issues defensively. We've seen it throughout the year, uh, throughout the year at times, but um, there's certain matchups where he can be really useful. Um, you saw, you know, against Pascal Siakam, he had some great or some impressive stretches on Thursday um, with his understanding of angles and his size and his strength. Um, obviously anyone with a lot of speed can give him issues and Pascal, you know, I'm sure if you put him on Pascal for a lengthy stretch, you run into some issues, but um, I just think it comes down to Danny's a much superior offensive player. And I, I don't think Matisse's defense, you know, closes that gap. And you said it was only 59 minutes, I think, mm-hmm. um, with Danny in that lineup. So that's just too small to make, you know, declarations. Of, and you're, I'm not, you're not doing that, but it's too small of a, a sample to say, oh, it's only like plus, plus one in those minutes. It's just 59 minutes is you know, just a little more than a game. It's about 100 possessions. It's so you know, it's so prone to, you know, a couple of threes in one direction or the other really skews it. So um, I just think the the way the offense is opened up and the, the things Danny can do defensively um, with his hands and whatnot, um, give him enough utility in that end despite his his own regression there. Jackson, looking at this in the bigger picture, like we, you know, we're, we're mentioning off the top, the Sixers now only have one game left. They're taking on the Pistons on Sunday. 50 wins, 50 and 31, tied with Boston for the three seed. Do clinch at least home court advantage in round one. So we know that the Sixers will be hosting a game either on the 16th or 17th to open up the playoffs. And Joel Embiid, looking at it from his perspective, as I mentioned, 41 points, 20 rebounds, dominant. Again, only missed three field goal attempts on 17 shots. Uh, likely going to win the the scoring title. First center to do that since Shaq. First center to average more than 30 points a game since Moses Malone. But looking at this like... When, when you just can encapsulate his season, and, and you mentioned before you, you in the last podcast that you would probably take Joker um, as your MVP at this point, but when you're looking at, at Joel individually, just summarize his his season and where are the biggest points that you've seen him grow, and where is maybe one aspect of his game, although he's been so dominant, that you want to maybe see him take another step in his development? Yeah, I and mean, I think the last couple of years what's been so impressive is just how many more ways he can score than he could his first four seasons. And I think you just look at the fact that his first – Four years per 100 possessions, he was averaging about 38 points you know, per 100, which is really, really good. Last two, he's up to to 44.6, so huge jump, and that's just that just stems from him having more ways to score. Whether it's the pull up jumpers, the step back threes, the face up stuff, uh, leading transition, I think he's become a really good off ball player this year. Um, especially, you know, you, you see plays where he just times his cuts well or his dives on the roll. Um, it's just been so impressive the level of scoring load he can handle. And he's still and that's only like made it harder to guard him because, you know, his free throw rate is the high, the last two years is the highest of his career. He was always a big free throw guy. Right. But um, last two years, you know, right around, you know, for every 10 shots he takes, he gets about six free throws. Um, so that's, that's what's most impressive to me. Uh, if I, if I had to kind of find ways for him to improve um, I think it would be, you know, continue to be more consistent as a screener. Um, I think he's better than he's ever been there, but still room to grow. There's still times where he kind of goes through the motions and doesn't give his, his ball handler much of an advantage there. Um, and then I, I think if, I don't know, it's, it's tough because he, you know, he's such a masterful scorer. I think just even a little, just continue to refine his passing. Um, it's obviously very good, but I think, you know, there's still times where maybe he misses a guy or he doesn't choose to pass to a guy. And I think it would, maybe that decision would benefit the team more if he did. But I also understand you when you're one of the best scorers in the NBA, you know, maybe it's worthwhile to just take that shot, try and draw that foul. So um, you're really nitpicking there, but I think screening is really the only, the only thing to me. I just think he would really open things up for guys like Tyrese and, and James a little more, and even Tobias when they run ball screen action. So, 
Um, but yeah, you're, you're really kind of splitting the hairs there. He's just become such a dominant offensive player. And I'm really curious to see what he does this, this uh, in the postseason. I thought last year, you know, was his kind of his best scoring playoff, you know, run. I think he had, a, you know, he had some of those times where the, the ball control, you know, late in that Hawks series wasn't with him, but I'm um, really curious to see what it does this year, which I think has been the best season of his career and um, just really speaks to his, his growth and development since he entered the league. And he's going to, he's going to have a ton of attention to him, you know, regardless of who the first round opponent is. Again, we don't know yet. That's going to be settled on Sunday uh, after the Sixers take on, take on the Pistons. But looking at this as well, one of the guys you just mentioned there, Jackson, James Harden, 22 points, 14 dimes showing to be exactly as good as advertised when it comes to setting up his teammates uh, playmaking in terms of getting Joel some looks him and Joel look really good in the pick and roll against the Pacers in this one, but still really struggling with that outside shot, only shooting roughly 30% from deep over the last couple of games. Is that something you think you're looking at that might be able to be corrected? I mean, even if you look at his shooting numbers overall, he's only shooting roughly 33% for the last five games. So you look at, at this continuing to be an issue. And I know we've talked a little bit about his burst. We've talked a bit, a little bit about his shot selection, what what do you think Harden needs to do in order to maybe just get his three-point shot going a little bit more and being a little bit more effective at just finishing up at the rim? Yeah, it's tough. I, you know, obviously, you know, the last few years before this year, he'd been around 36 to 38 percent from three on a high volume. So, you know, an elite shooter, obviously not in percentages, but volume and versatility and all that. Uh, off the dribble, I think you can call him an elite shooter. And this year, down to 33 percent, basically identical numbers, both with the Nets and the Sixers from three. And I don't know exactly what, what is the cause of that, but I do wonder if maybe it's tied to the hamstring, um, you, kind of the, the explosion, and the, the launch and kind of the power he gets behind those setbacks and maybe some of the, the lift he just gets in general from three could stem, you know, the hamstring is a place that you know, can help generate a lot of force with your lower body. Um, and so you just wonder if maybe that the thing, it, I would have to go back and look at all of his threes here, but it feels like he's left a lot of them short. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's natural, especially when you're as a step back guy, if you're kind of, if you're fading, if your momentum's going away from the rim, you're probably going to miss it short if you're going to miss it at all. Um, but it even feels like some of the catch and shoot or the one dribble pull-ups he's taken on those those swing, 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 swing ball movement sequences have been short. So um, that's just my amateur analysis on that. I don't know if that's correct, but you know that's just kind of me speculating on it. Um, but in terms of him figuring things out inside the arc, I think it's just going to have to be that floater really becoming a reliable weapon again. It was so good for him the last few years. This year, uh, when at least in Brooklyn, it wasn't really there for him. I think the numbers were definitely down. I don't. I haven't looked at it recently in in Philly. I know early that he wasn't using the floater much. I feel like it's kind of corrected a bit. Um, I even wrote about it you know, when he had a little bit of a struggle earlier. But um, I would have to look at the numbers officially. But I think he's just going to lean that floater because the finishing is not there in a crowd. He doesn't have kind of that that fluidity navigating around tight spaces or through tight spaces or help defenders. He doesn't have the vertical pop to finish over guys. Um, so it's going to come down to that floater and the floater is kind of a fickle shot. So, um, you know, you don't feel great about that, but, um, that's just kind of the way it is. But yeah, on the positive side, the chemistry with Joel and pick and rolls looks great. He's setting guys up for a lot of awesome shots. Um, but you need the scoring to be there. Right. So, um, we'll see what I think it's just going to come down to the, the fickle nature of three point shooting and floater. I don't think he's a guy that's going to dominate at the rim this year. Um, he just doesn't have that, that athletic profile right now. Maybe that changes with the full off season to, to rehab and, and get it, and also play. I know he's. I've talked about it on the podcast. I think that he said he didn't get to play at all five on five while he's rehabbing last year. So, um, we'll see. But for now, it's just going to be the floater and the the three ball, and those are kind of tough things to rely on, and they're they kind of come and go. But we'll see what happens in in the coming months.
And, and we mentioned this before, Jackson, we talked about it last last podcast too. just consistency. If they can find somebody else to maybe, you know, Maxi has shown that he has the potential to score 20 points a night. If he could do that in the playoffs and Toby's averaging 17 and 18, you don't need Harden to be at 27, 28, 29 points. You're good with him with 20 and, and, and 10 assists. So again, there's so many variables with the Sixer squad. Uh, we're going to start getting some answers at least next weekend. I uh, want to jump into a couple more things with you. Of course, the, the, the big one, Paul Reed actually getting some run in this one for the second straight game. But we'll talk about that and we'll talk about the big picture stuff. The Sixers still don't know who their opponent will be. Still some stuff left to be sorted out in the Eastern Conference. We'll jump into all that coming up in about a minute. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Jackson, we are back talking about what happened with uh, Paul Reed. He got some run against the, the Raptors on Thursday, got to play in this one. Eight points, five rebounds, four steals, basically more combined good stuff than we've seen from DeAndre Jordan and Paul Millsap uh, since they were acquired. But the negative, he did have five fouls. And to me, I think that's with a young guy coming in, uh, you know, trying to get his feet wet at the NBA level, especially for a bigger man. Uh, trying to figure out how to guard where you're moving your feet more, not playing with your hands, not bumping, not biting as much. Part of me on pump fakes, little things like that, that are are second nature and instinctual to him that just need to be corrected through getting some extra minutes. But when you're looking at what he brings over DeAndre Jordan, who has been a minus player routinely, although has had a couple, I think it was eight point games in the, in the last couple of outings before today, he got a DNP uh, coach's decision for this one, but looking at it for, uh, for, for the Sixers in the long run, like I said, we're, we're basically a week away now from, from the playoffs starting. Has Paul Reed, and have you seen enough for him from the last couple of games that you at least want to see Doc give him the first run over DJ or, or Millsap in a playoff series? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the kind of the things that a lot of people have harped on this year that this team doesn't have is much kind of mobility in size and athleticism. Um, you know, it's kind of Maxi Matisse, and that's about it in the rotation. You know, maybe beyond Joel, of course, um, but it's a different t- type of athleticism. And, and Paul Reed brings that. He's he's mobile. He's active. He's lively. He, I mean, his ability to kind of read where a ball is going to come off, read, no pun intended, uh, come off uh, for, for a rebound is is really impressive. And he's light off the ground. He had a couple today where he just kind of slithers his way through the defense and then elevates above everyone else and grabs an offensive rebound. And then his second jump is really quick, too. And he's he's got an and one or he's got a he's got a quick putback. So, um, you know, the four steals, you know, I think that's that's emblematic of his defensive activity. You know, I, I tweeted out, but in 191 minutes uh, with the Sixers, Dan Jordan had two steals 
uh, 11 minutes today with, against the Pacers, probably rated four. I know that's <laughs> yeah. not really DeAndre's team, but I think it speaks to kind of the, the chasm in uh, defensive activity from the two of them. So, uh, as you mentioned, yeah, five fouls, but like, I mean, it's only, I mean, think about it, it, first, second round, Joe's going to play what? 35 to 40 minutes, right? So you only need Paul Reed to play 13 minutes. And if he fouls out, who cares, right? Like, yeah. obviously you don't want yeah. the other team to get in the bonus, but there are worse alternatives than, oh no, our backup center who plays with a lot of energy and athleticism and can do stuff on the glass and, um, and make plays offensively fouls out. And then we put in our MVP candidate and set our best player. Like, of course, like, yeah, you don't want teams like I think Indiana in the second quarter got into the bonus pretty quickly because Paul Reed had a lot of fouls. That's a downside. Yeah. But like if he fouls out, he fouls out. Like then you bring Joel, Joel Embiid back in. I think you're OK. Um, so I think you've got to give him a chance. And they're going to be they're going to be times where maybe he's a little sloppy and he misses a couple of putbacks and he he reaches one too many times and, you know, gets burned in the pick and roll or draws or a smart, a savvy foul draw or gets an easy and one, something like that. But um I described his errors of commission with him, and that's way better than errors of omission. Where Jordan mm-hmm. doesn't box out, he doesn't make a rotation, he he doesn't put any give any you know real forthright effort to or forthcoming effort, excuse me, to attack the, the glass, and and probably does all those things. So um, I think he just he's got to give him a chance. I don't know if it's going to work out. I, I don't think he's a guy who you could say is a trustworthy player yet, um, just because he's such a chaotic guy. But so far, it's been good. I think he is he's overwhelmingly been positive in his first two stints. Much more against a, le- a lesser team like the Pacers, but I thought he was still solid on, on Thursday against the Raptors. So you got to give him a chance, but um, you know, you could have given him a chance months ago uh, and you would have felt a little better about a little less unknown in this commodity here. But um, these last two games are definitely better than what, what Jordan or Millsap has brought in their time as Sixers. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've said this a lot on the podcast, like at least he brings something, you know what I mean? It's not like you're just having like a dead weight out there when what we saw with Millsap against the Bucks or, DJ at points, you know, when he's been out there that at least Paul Reed is giving you, and I'm not saying the other guys aren't trying. I mean, obviously Paul Reed is a lot younger, a lot more athletic and just has a lot more energy, but it just, the way he plays is like, he's giving you his all, you know what I mean? Like there's no, um, questionable effort there's no oh these guys might be tired on a on the second of a back-to-back so they don't have a lot of it like with Paul Reed and and I've said this before I go at least he's not giving you zeros across the board you mentioned the four steals and you know four or four from the field five rebounds including three on the offensive end that stuff you're just not getting with DJ you're not getting with with Paul Millsap so and and as we know with the Sixers they don't have the luxury of having a very deep bench or, or a couple of guys who are going to give you double digits in scoring and, and our lockdown defenders coming in with the second unit. So you kind of need more from what you're getting, especially at that five spot. And if you're taking up this many roster spots on your, you know, when you're in your 12, that you're, you're having a bunch of these guys, you need to give yourself better options. And I just think that's what I've liked from, from Paul Reed the entire time. Uh, Charles Bassey, as we've said, has put up crazy numbers, you know, in the G league, but we'll see if that, you know, that can translate to at least being an, you know, everyday NBA backup center, but those guys just bring a different element than what we've seen from DJ and Paul Millsap, who are veterans have had very long, uh, good NBA careers, very good. Um, if you're looking at somebody like like DJ Millsap in terms of when they were at the height of their career, but right now um, Doc has got to give these young guys some run because they don't have a very good second unit. Yeah, and I think, it, and it's not to say that like Millsap and Jordan aren't trying or anything. It's just that like they are they are part of they are they represent part of the issue with some of the Sixers roster is that they're slow and not mobile. And Paul Reed is the opposite of that. He is he is mobile and he is quick. Uh, and so, yeah, it's like, and we're, we're sure Jordan and Millsap are, are doing what they can out there. They just can't offer what Reed does. And so 
um, yeah, I think you just, you got to give him a chance. And, you know, I know bat, people have kind of wanted Bassey. I think right now he's out with a sh- shoulder strain, unfortunately. But um, what's impressed me too with Reed is in the G League, you know, at least last year, I haven't watched much of him this year, but he was kind of the focal point, right? He won MVP. He was a focal point even at DePaul of his team. And this year, he's just kind of filled a really good role when he's gotten minutes with the Sixers. And that was kind of my my worry is like, could could he translate this to a smaller role? Like even when he was dominating the the, the summer, summer league this past year, it was like, I don't know if this role is emblematic of what he's going to do with the Sixers. And he's, he's filled it really well. He crashes the glass, he cuts, he rolls. Um, he had a really nice finish on the roll today where he kind of mm-hmm. split a couple of defenders. Um, that's not something that Paul Millsap or Deanna Jordan can do. I, so um, just been really impressed with that, how, how he has scaled into a really small role after, you know, being the focal point in, in G League and Summer League and college. So um, kudos to him. And I really hope he continues to get to get run because he's earned it over the over the couple other options. Yeah. And, and, and looking at this from now, like I said, we're going to go into the playoffs. As I said, in the, in the first half of the podcast, it was a a needed win for the Sixers because had they lost, let's say they come up short against Detroit on Sunday and the Raptors won, they would lose home court. So they needed to win this particular game against the Pacers to get that four seed. But looking at the, at the, at the bigger picture now too, Jackson, and we're talking about this, that it's likely going to be the Raptors. Although there are some things still left to be settled on the final Sunday of the season where Milwaukee has to win its game. Otherwise the Bucks will. And otherwise if the Bucks lose and the, the Celtics win, they, the Celtics would take the number two seed. Cleveland uh, is playing Milwaukee tomorrow and, and the Cavs still have something to play for in terms of hoping to get home court for that first round matchup against the Nets in the play-in. Um, so there's lots of stuff to be, to be decided here. And you're, you're looking at this for, from a Philly perspective, you know, and you're mentioning Paul Reed, like if you take on the Raptors, who I think are going to be able to to give the Sixers a hell of a series. I, you know, Nick Nurse is a great coach. Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, obviously a couple of all-star level guys. Gary Trent Jr., the way they play defense. Scotty Barnes in the in the contention for rookie of the year. Uh, but they don't have like a lot of those those big guys that, that are traditional centers. So, again, I think that's where Paul Reed instead of DJ or even Paul Millsap makes, makes a ton of sense at least for round one and depending on how Nick nurse can attack or exploit that if he wants to go after Reed, but looking at this Jackson from a, a bigger picture right now, how do you think things are going to shake out? Because we were talking a little bit before we started recording uh, John Morant back for the Grizzlies. That's who the Celtics are playing in their final game. And so here's what could happen is if the Sixers do beat the Pistons and the Celtics end up losing to the Grizzlies, the Sixers move up to three and would like likely take on Chicago. Looks like, yeah, it will be Chicago in the first round. So looking at this, a ton of big games, Jackson, looking like at from a macro level at the Eastern Conference, how do you think things are going to shake out on, on the final day of the regular season? <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough because I think, obviously, if you're the Sixers, you'd prefer to play the uh, struggling Bulls over the surging Raptors. I mean, that's just, <laughs> it's just the reality yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you're the Celtics, it's the same, same thing, right? Especially with maybe some of the, I'm not going to speculate on the vaccination stuff, but there's obviously some ambiguity with, with the Celtics there. I know Al Horford came out and said he's fully vaccinated. He's good to go, but obviously they're also without Robert Williams, you know, at least for the first, first round. So um, they would probably prefer to play a lesser team as well there. So um, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the Grizzlies have lost a couple in a row. I imagine they would like to at least enter the playoffs on a winning streak. Uh, a one game winning streak is modest, but it's better than a three game losing streak. Uh, especially given how well they've played this year. Um, you know, they do play, they play today as well. So um, I guess they could enter you know, one game losing streak at worst, but um, I, I, my gut just tells me the Grizzlies are going to, are going to win on, on Sunday. Um, the Sixers are also going to win, but I, I don't know because the, the, the Grizzlies 
have in the, the Celtics have both been playing very well for a really long stretch this year. And the Sixers just lost to the Pistons a week and a half ago. Um, obviously this time it's at home rather than on the road. That's always, you know, beneficial for, for you, I guess, maybe not given, <laughs> given the way the Sixers are played on the, on the road versus at home. But uh, I think the Sixers will end up three. Um, I just, I just do. I don't have a great reason for it. I didn't break down the tape of the, the potential Grizzlies Celtics game and the Pistons Sixers game, but I just think that's how it's going to go. And um, that would be fortuitous for, for the Sixers to play the Bulls over the Raptors. Yeah, I, I think so too. So, I mean, if I'm, if I'm the Sixers and I was thinking this, earlier before before the the even tipped off against the Pacers is you know what happens with Joel on a, on the second of a back to back what happens with James Harden in the sense that okay let's just say the Sixers and again those guys played pretty heavy minutes against Indy I mean I think Embiid was up to 37 today but looking at that like would you want to rest them if you're Doc Rivers I mean you do have a week off here so it's not like you know it's pressing that where it used to be in the NBA where you might have a, you know, the regular season ends on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, and then the guys are back at it on the weekend for, for game one here. We know they're going to have at least six days off, potentially seven, depending on the schedule. So like, you know, and again, the Pistons have been playing a lot better of late. Uh, do you want to try and win this game? If you're Doc Rivers and, and, and the coaching staff and say, Hey, you know what, if we give ourselves a chance at that three seed, we're going to get a, again, a no disrespect to Chicago, but maybe a, 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 a more beneficial first round matchup against the Bulls over the Raptors. Yeah, I think I think you you want to win this game, especially because clearly the the Harden and Embiid duo as Sixers, I shouldn't say the duo, the duo themselves have been quite good and, you know, assimilated to one another quite quickly. But um, the team as a whole is still figuring things out. So you want to get as many reps as possible. Now, as you mentioned, the Pistons have been playing pretty well recently. Like it's not this isn't to say that like they're way better than the Pacers, but like no disrespect to the Pacers. Like the, they've kind of gone through the motions the last couple of games when the Sixers, when the, when they put the when they put the Pacers, the Sixers have. No, Jackson, we are disrespecting the Pacers a little bit, right? <laughs> so that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just mean in the sense that like, like you can tell that they just kind of turn on, turn it on for 14 minutes of that game defensively. And that's enough to, to outscore the Pacers. Whereas the Pistons, you know, you just scored 94 points against them, you know, a week and a half ago. So it's a chance to really kind of get reps against you know, playing hard, playing well. Cade's been doing his thing. Marvin Bagley, you know, Kelly Olenek, um, a couple other guys. Killian Hayes has found some rhythm. Killian Hayes has found some rhythm. So um, absolutely you go, you go for it. And even beyond just kind of the idea that this, the Raptors are playing well and the Bulls are struggling, it's just a better matchup. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like actual X's and O's, you get down to it. The, the Bulls have not been able to stop the Sixers and Joel basically all year. I don't think Joel shot that well in one or two of their games, but kind of the size discrepancy is huge there. Um, the Sixers won that season series 4-0. I know the Bulls weren't fully healthy for all the games, but clearly there's a matchup there. Uh, whereas the Sixers lost to the Raptors 1-3, or they split it. I don't recall exactly, but clearly that's a much tougher matchup. So um, you absolutely want to win that game for a number of reasons, whether it's continuing to you know expand the, the team-wide synergy with Harden in the fold, or it's getting a more beneficial matchup potentially if the Celtics lose and you win. And looking at that, at that Grizzly-Celtics game, uh, that one's going to go at seven. The the Sixers are going to be playing at the same time. So, I mean, we're not going to really know what, what happened there. Uh, both games are probably going to end pretty, pretty close to each other, but you said this before Jackson, you have a feeling. So if you had 50 bucks on you, would you put it on the Grizzlies right now to beat the Celtics tomorrow? Uh, no, I mean, I, no, I, I can't, I can't be that, uh, that definitive. I mean, it's two really good teams. <laughs> Uh, and especially because the Celtics have more to play for than the, the Grizzlies beyond just, you know, continuing to win games. But um, no, I, I can't go that far. If I had $50, I would, I don't know, I'd spend it elsewhere, I suppose. <laughs> but you're saying it's a gut feeling, right? 
Yeah, it's a gut feeling, but it's not a it's not an ironclad one by any means. Okay, well, the, the funny part is I had a gut feeling Tiger Woods was going to win the Masters, so we saw how that turned out. So you probably <laughs> saved fifty bucks there, because I put a little bit of money on him to win. Uh, let's wrap things up there, Jackson. Again, lots to play for on on Sunday for the Sixers as they take on the Pistons. The gastroenteritis Blues will be coming up after that with Steve, Dan, and Emily. Uh, we'll be back on Monday doing a live stream previewing the first round of the playoffs. Um, and as I mentioned, we're going to have you covered with podcasts pretty much well throughout the entire Sixers run. So don't forget to subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Also appreciate a five-star review if you're inclined to give us one. And also don't forget to check us out at libertyballers.com.